Will Hayes could have taken the safe step into his working life, joining the famous racing stable run by his father David, as his elder brother Ben had done. He didn't. He decided to pursue his dream to play AFL football, for as long as it took. In November last year, after five years as a draft hopeful, the Western Bulldogs finally called his name, with the 78th and final selection in the draft. Welcome, Will. Thanks for having me. And your proud parents, Prue and David. Thanks for having me. Been us. a long wait for it, hasn't it? Very long, very long. Five years it took. What now, on draft night, fact or fiction, you didn't see the Bulldogs call your name? Fact. Um, I was in bed because... I was under the impression that when the Bulldogs passed that they weren't allowed to re-enter the draft. I didn't really brush up on the rules of the new draft with the live trading and the live picks. So um, when they passed for the first time, I thought my chances were done. So I thought I had three hours to kill to the rookie draft. So I, I went and put myself to bed to try and um, make that time go as quick as possible. Did you think that your, your AFL dream had gone? I was still hopeful for the rookie draft that my name might be called out by anyone, not only the dogs. But um, yeah, I was probably a little bit a little bit frustrated and a little bit anxious because um, it was the last time that I was going to give it a crack. So I was, um, had a lot of mixed emotions. Prue, you and David were watching and stayed watching. What happened? Did either of you know that the Bulldogs still had a live call? No. No, no, no I, We were sure that because they'd passed, we had to wait to the rookie draft. Yeah. Um, but I was watching the coverage and most of the family had given up. I'm a bit of an optimist. <laughs> and I saw a little bit of light there with the Bulldogs going into a huddle and I knew they had pick 78. But I, I was more hoping and uh, the dream came true. Well, let, let's revisit that moment. Yeah. The pick is in now. I think the dogs might have picked someone up here with number 78. With pick 78, the Western Bulldogs have selected William Hayes from the Footscray VFL. With the finalisation of that selection, it now concludes the 2018 NAB AFL draft. Now, Prue, as a mother, um, how were you when you, when you heard his name finally called out? Well, for the three hours that it took to get to pick 78, it was just like sitting there watching your son have his heart ripped out because he'd worked so hard, he'd persevered for so long and he wanted it so badly. And then when it wasn't happening, oh, I just felt his devastation. So it was pretty emotional. You're superstitious, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. A little bit or a lot? <laughs> a little bit in a lot of ways. What, what's under your bed just, just despite... <laughs> not including old socks and dirty undies. What? Oh, yeah, I, I threw a log of wood under there. Um, you threw a log of wood under there, <laughs> did yeah, you? Yeah, just... Why? Oh, they old touch wood, everything's going to be all good. But my brother also had a pretty destructive puppy, so it also was under there as a decoy so he wouldn't chew my bed. So it had, it had two purposes. Isn't it funny when you, you need to do everything in your, the, in your capabilities to make sure that things go right, even to the point of sort of saying, if I touch some wood, yeah, it's my funny. luck will be better. When you, when you really want something so bad and you're exhausting all the processes and it takes a long time, you can sometimes lose sight of rational thought yeah. and you do get caught up in superstitions and silly things like that. So I, I did get a bit carried away at one, one point, but I've quickly refrained, refrained from that. It never helped me being brought up in a superstitious country like Hong Kong and Dad being in a superstitious industry being racing. Yeah. So I've, I've, as a young kid... Remember Dad coming home after a dirty day at the races and cutting a tie in half? <laughs> Did so actually as, in pieces. Yeah, to in never pieces. wear it again. Well, it didn't work. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it was an unlucky tie. So in terms of correlating uh, outcomes with um, 
unrelated um, <laughs> incidences. Um, I've unfortunately been exposed to that from a young age, so sometimes we pick up bad habits, but I, I can rationally understand that it's process that gets you where you want to go, not superstition. When the name was called, uh, well, Tears? Oh, absolutely. Did you run into the bedroom or did you call out? <laughs> you what? did. You did? Tell me, I, just, I tell tell me what happened. I took a great turn of foot, I did. <laughs> yeah. Mum was the quickest from the living room. I was room, the so. quickest from the living room. So you two are watching telly in the living room. You're in bed. And you I'm hit... sprinting up the stairs. <laughs> with yeah. Screaming. Uh, with Ben, i got to start, and Ben and JD. They were half asleep, mind you, but I... Uh, Ben and JD, and we were just screaming up, and I just said, Will, Will, they've called your name out. You're drafted. I don't know what's happened, but you, they've <laughs> called you. You're in. And did yeah. you understand straight away what your mum was talking about? Oh, God, I didn't know what she was on about. So, yeah, I was, <laughs> I think I was very confused. I just heard this absolute <laughs> eruption from the living room at the other end of the house, and I sort of, by the time I stepped out of my bedroom, mum... Mum was the first there, and then JD and Ben, and they just about coat hanging me. So they, they came at me that quick. So yeah, and once it once it sort of realised what they were going tears on about, and tears. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very tears for you. It, yeah, very emotional. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was sort of couldn't believe that it finally happened that my name got called out. So um, it was emotional. What about the patriarch? Any any emotion oh, from I, him? I think he was dancing in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was emotional, but uh, no tears. But I was emotional. I mean, you've won all the big races on the Australian calendar and places elsewhere. How did this stack up against them? Don't cry when we win the big races, but I did cry when (laughs) Will's name was called out. It was, it's been, we've been very involved and been part of the journey. Will's been living at home. So we've gone through all the highs and lows for so long. Um, And just to see him realise that dream through perseverance was so rewarding for him and us. David? Oh, for me, right up there with the uh, biggest races I've ever won, if you put it into racing V, simply because, you know, he's your son and his dream was to be an AFL footballer. He was so close he could touch it, but he wasn't quite getting there. And when it finally arrived, it was a a happy, emotional moment. Did you ever get to the point where you were saying, now, Will, you know, there's a future here for you. You're steeped in racing tradition. Uh, there'll always be a job. Or were you of the view, keep hammering away until you have got no more chance? Early days he was a bit small and I think he was correctly overlooked. And then then he got injured for a season, which put him out of action when he was playing good football. He, and he played, in, played injured, which was probably a mistake for a runner. And then in his second last season, he had a ripping year with the Bulldogs and he missed out. And he was disappointed and thought, it's probably not going to get there. And I could see he was so close. And my advice was, you can train till you're old, but you can't play footy while you, mm. Well, mm. when you're old. So give it another year. And uh, thankfully he took that and had a ripping year and here we are now. Did you, at the end of the 2017 draft, Will, you were passed over again. Was that a point where you sort of thought, I've got to look at my life in toto here and make a decision about which direction I go? Yeah, definitely. I um, definitely saw it as a fork in the road for me. So with racing being there, and um, I did. I know I'm in, have such an amazing opportunity with the family business. I really wanted to get stuck into it and work as hard as I can because it's. I see it as an hours played sort of industry. Like it's only it's the only way you get better as a horse trainer is to have hours on the ground in the stable. So. I definitely didn't want to see as though I was just letting that opportunity amble by. So I approached my parents and sort of told them that if I'm 
I'm happy to give up football and pursue racing. And um, luckily, with their blessing, they talked me into going to one more mm. year. So, David, did you ever get frustrated, and, and sort of even almost to the point of sort of saying you wanted to contact someone, say at the Bulldogs, and ask about his future? Generally, tried to stay out of it and let his football do the talking. Um, but the culture at the Bulldogs, I think, is fantastic. And just to see the coaches that have gone through the VFL, three of Will's coaches are in the AFL system coaching now, and two of the players that he played with, Geordie Russell and Gia, uh, are coaching as mm. well. So there's five come through that Bulldog system, and now they've got two players. I think it sort of opens up for young people, to, coaches or players, to go through a Bulldog system because there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. You had a big year in 2018 with Footscray in the VFL. You doubled the number of votes anyone else got in the best and fairest. And you must have sort of thought that must have been the most optimistic you've been going into a draft. Definitely. Doing my own form lines, I thought I was definitely within calculations. But you never know. There's a lot of talented kids vying for the draft every year. So it's hard to um, see what the recruiters see. So I'm, they make very informed decisions. So I'd missed out five, four or five times before that. So I was um, optimistic, but also had a bit of reality on my side. So. David, huge weekend for you and Prue. You win the Australian Cup with Harlem. The Colin Hayes Memorial Cup was run at Morfordville in Adelaide. And you watch your two boys playing practice games for the Bulldogs up in Ballarat. It was a perfect weekend for me. Uh, <laughs> racing on a Saturday and football on a Sunday. And watching both boys play at such a high level. Um, I think CS would have been so thrilled because yeah. he, he would, like me, a bit of a frustrated footballer. What's, I'll get back to your football too. <laughs> uh, what's he like watching his boys play? I mean, JD played in the early game. Yes. And Will was in the main game. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we watched a lot of football together. It was pretty balanced. We, we're, we're, we're realists. You know, we're, we don't sugarcoat things, do we, Will? You know, no, we never. generally tell it how it is. And uh, we've watched so much football since they were, since we got back from Hong Kong. So um, I think the boys are used to having a, a fair appraisal of their game. But now, Will especially, he's got enough coaches. We're there as his parents. He mm. doesn't need any more coaching. Furious. <laughs> I hope parents listen to that. Yeah. You were introduced to footy uh, in Hong Kong when the family was living at Sha Tin, is that right? Oh, to no. the extent of having kick to kick with Dad yeah, yeah. and JD. So Dad used to sit down one end and make me and JD play marks up down the um, yeah. down the bottom end. And um, how far away was, was, was he? Sixty away or thirty away? Uh, about twenty five. I think <laughs> is it precision kicking. But yeah, we used to play first one to um, first to ten, ten. and then we would yeah. stop. So it always end in tears. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a competitive family. So well, JD and you were identical twins. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there was no physical advantage. No, no. no. So it was all timing and whoever got the kick favoured and so I think there was a few blues about if Dad maybe hooked it or pulled it <laughs> one, one twin side. If I was it. leading, I would kick a little bit to the other one. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Did you? What was your own footy experience, David? Um, I was lucky enough to play uh, in an under-19, which is a TAC Cup in Adelaide, uh, premiership side for Central Districts and then had a season in the uh, reserves and then, unfortunately, at 21, got retired. My father was older and unwell, and my older brother had decided to leave the family business. And Dad um, wasn't much racing on TV, so he was always at the races. Uh, he came to see me in Adelaide Oval, and uh, we were playing Port Adelaide, and I was a key forward and a losing side. Didn't have much of a game. 
And then driving home, he didn't say much and uh, I don't think he was very impressed. And he, he said, uh, what do we tell our owners uh, if we have a city horse in Melbourne? Outstanding. What do we tell them if we've got an Adelaide horse? Well, it's doing well and you never know, it could progress to Melbourne. What do we tell them if it's a country horse? Get rid of it. He said, well, you retire, young man. <laughs> you were a country horse, were you? You're provincial class. But I played with some good players. Uh, now, Tony McAvoy tells a story about you and your football. Are you familiar with it? When you had a set shot for goal in a game that the score was, I think, two or three points different. Tony gets very confused. That's some nasty falls. Uh, but <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> no, I, I was playing and Tony happened to be at the game and um, a few of the spectators and the, uh, were getting stuck into me. And then the guy that was on the mark said to me as I was going to kick, I think probably my fifth, I think, <laughs> he said, your dad won't kick, kick this, this for you. <laughs> and, uh, of I course was actually I, watching the game. Yeah. Yeah, of course, I missed it. And the, the crowd would give, saying that, you know, dad got me in the team, not myself. Because Colin Hayes was a huge name in Adelaide, wasn't he? I'm yeah. Australia-wide, but certainly in his home city of Adelaide. Yeah, he was. So I think there's only three legends in racing and he's one of them. Mm, mm. Well... Last year when you were playing so well with Footscray, did anyone from the Bulldogs say anything to you about the draft or your future? I had a chat with Chris Maple, who's at the Bulldogs, who I'm very close with and um, see as a role model. At the end of 2017, I asked him what his opinion was, whether I should give it another crack. So he said to me that if I have a similar year to the back end of 2017, he thinks that I'd be within calculations. So doing my own form after I started getting my hands on the ball, getting a few awards and whatnot, I knew I was within calculations towards November. People like Kane Lambert, do they give you, in your case, was there any inspiration from him, given the kid that just kept hammering away at VFL level, finally gets picked and then plays in a Richmond Premiership team? Definitely. Um, his story of resilience and persistence is definitely an inspiration for boys trying to persist in the VFL. So, And he shows that it is a good form line and that when you do get picked and get your opportunity, you can um, cross over and play good AFL football. Rory Sloan, he was your early hero. I suspect that's changed now since your colours have changed. But were you an Adelaide supporter? Yeah, yeah, through the bloodlines um, thing of Adelaide heritage. I didn't really have much of a choice growing up. So Dad um, put us all into the Adelaide colours from an early age. And just growing up, um, I just love the way Rory Sloan went about it, his relentless attack on the footy and his um, persistent approach to a game. He never gives up, no matter the scoreline, no matter the situation, and always cracks in 100%. So he's always been a role model for me. James Podley-Udley made contact with you, didn't he? Yep, he, he had a similar story to me. He was 27 when he was picked up by Geelong. Yeah, he was a little bit older than I am yeah. now. So he, um, he had an even larger story of resilience um, in terms of coming through the VFL. He was initially delisted by two AFL clubs when he was young and then stuck at it at the Werribee and then moved to Geelong VFL and then um, got picked up to Geelong AFL. So it was a very similar story in terms of playing for that club in the VFL and then being drafted the, to them for the opportunity to play AFL. Your Melbourne Grammar team that won the flag has got players on AFL lists. Can you remember all them? Yep. Uh, Zach Merritt uh, went to Essendon. Hugh Vickers Willis went to North Melbourne. Uh, Tom Wilkinson went to North Melbourne. Nathan Drummond went to Richmond. Ed Langdon went to Fremantle, and then I'm at the Bulldogs. Oh, and Hugh Goddard. Geez, no wonder he won the flag. That, yeah. that was an amazing year of football. Um, for me, when I think back of my enjoyment for football, I'd often think back to that team because um, we went goalless in the pre-season and were touted to come last. And as a few blo like a team of blokes coming together to, for a common cause, we were able to go undefeated and mm. win 10 games straight. And then as a result, turns out we had pretty good stock in that team. Mm. So um, hindsight's always nice.
Prue, uh, Zach Merritt was a very close mate of Will's and you sort of, I, I don't mean to mother him as in the sense that he didn't have one, but you looked, spent a lot of time with him. How difficult was it when you were seeing Will's mates get drafted and him missing out? Well, you sort of knew when you watched them play so much football that if they could do it, then Will and JD weren't that far away. That's how I always looked at it. I was always happy for them. I couldn't have been happier for Zach when he got picked up. Um, he'd spent most of year 12 at our place um, because he did the tap cup with Will. And the only way he could get to training was come to our place. I'd take them to training. He'd come home. Then he'd missed dinner in the boarding house, so we'd feed him. And then I'd have to drive him back. I used to joke with a boarding house master that they should actually be paying us the boarding house fees. <laughs> so, you know, that was just a, a fantastic story. And, and Zach's such a, a big part of our family and still is. He's a great mate of the boys. So, um, We still babysit his dog in the state games. He's going to come and get it. <laughs> your brother, JD, your twin brother, did he coach your rower at 21? Yep. I think he holds the record for the youngest senior coach in the GV. His first year as coach, you were passed over by the Footscray VFL team, correct? Yep, I missed out on round one selection yeah. due to a healthy AFL list. You went so up the bush? Went up the bush to yeah. play, in his, play for him in his first game as coach and that was a great day. We played against a Chuka in, in front of a big crowd. I think it was there. They had a festival on, so there was about 4,000 people at the game and um, I think we ended up winning by 80 points, so it was a great day. So the parents there? Yep, mum and yeah. dad always there. The first 10 years in Hong Kong? Yep. Playing? What, 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 what were your sporting pursuits there? I uh, played soccer and rugby yeah. in Hong Kong until I was about 10 years old. Yeah. So, and then we came back to Australia and I picked up a footy and have a look back. How competent is he on horseback? Uh, yeah, he, I would say he rides about as well as he plays football. I'd <laughs> give him a good sort of 8 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good solid rider. Getting a bit big. He's a small guy on a footy field, but a big guy on a horse. But um, rides small, which is a good sign, and plays big. So mm -hmm. that's what we need. So you're obviously, I suspect, looking forward to having your three boys actually at some point take over the, the, the training empire? I've got a little plan. Uh, yeah. My father trained 104 Group 1 winners. And when I get to 104, my plan is to not pass it and uh, hopefully... Um, uh, step back and be the chairman and, and tell them what uh, sort of be the around but not the actual trainer. Will, who's going to be the boss? <laughs> He's um, got a head start on you, Ben, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does, he does. He's got a lot more hours played um, in terms of training and being around horses, but I think um, partnerships are the way to go. So um, we're, very, we're a very close family, so I don't think we'll struggle to work together as a team at all. You mentioned 104 Group 1s. You're on... 80s? Well, it's confusing because I had 10 years in Hong Kong yep. and they have Group 1s there, but they don't count in Australia. So I'm in the 90s if you count Hong Kong and I'm in the 80s, 86 or something. So so which figure will you use? Well, that's the, I've got a bit of room to move. If I get to 104 <laughs> and, uh, I, and I don't count Hong Kong, I might be able to get a bit of an extension. So I want to be 104 Australian Group 1. Which is Colin's number. Yeah, and I train, right. I think, 20 overseas. Yeah. So do you, are you confident that you can commit to that? I mean, if you're flying and still winning Group 1s... Um, well, I, I sort of... I own the business, so it would be nice to be on top of the business mm. rather than in it. And I think I've got three boys that are pretty good at it, so it's their time to shine. I started young. Mm. Dad did it with me because um, he was unwell and it worked really well. I think it's a... You know, I, I'd probably be 
you know, getting close to 60, and I think that's my time will be up. Cut it out. 60? <laughs> As the day-to-day hey, I trainer. hope not. Mm. I hope not. What's your interaction with, uh, with Luke Beveridge? Have you had any in-depth conversations with him? Uh, yeah, a few. He's a, he treats all us players um, the same, no matter if you're a Bontempelli or a first-year rookie. He um, really cares about the character of the group. So I've had a lot of good conversations with Luke along the way in terms of just getting updates of where I'm at and what he would like me to improve on and also just general stories about my background and how I've grown up and my beliefs in different things. So it's, I've, I've got a good relationship with Luke. You've got a big brother at the Bulldogs? A big brother? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say my big brother is Jordan Russell. Yeah. Um, he's now a coach at the Bulldogs, but I was lucky the enough. ex-Carlton player? Ex-Carlton player. Yeah. Uh, very accomplished footballer himself. And when he came towards the end of his AFL career at Carlton, he came over to the Footscray Bulldogs in 2014 when I started my football career in the VFL. And... Um, through that, we were lucky enough to play in two premierships together, and he was a captain from 2015 to 2017. Prut, lots of pressure on young blokes. You've got oh, absolutely. one or two in the system. I mean, JD's playing with in the VFL team. Do you think that they need some professional uh, advice? I'm talking outside of football, but just in, in adapting to life? Yeah, I, it, it, both with racing and football. Do you know that it's a, a pressure cooker environment where it's so performance oriented that I think it's really helpful if they uh, have the skills or the psychology to to deal with failure, to deal with how you persevere, the mindset you have to have in. So I'm a great believer in sports psychology, getting the mind right first and then everything else will follow its path. Have you got your boys doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. And dad. Yeah. You too, David? Yeah. I went in kicking and screaming, but yeah. uh, it was a big help to me. Um, when I've had a couple of quiet runs in my career, um, you get a bit of a kicking and a lot of people think they're being helpful, like a coach, I suppose, if mm. you're losing. Mm. And uh, the message I got out of it was she drew a circle and she said the people that count are in there and the people that don't count are out there. And you just, when you're talking to them, the people that are out there, you don't listen to. I've always thought, and I do agree with the psychology and the positive side of it, but it sounds so simple. But is it so simple when you try to live it? It's helped me keeping it very simple. But look, I just think what it is good is when things are upsetting you, you don't go in a repeat, repeat, repeat mode. Mm -hmm. You, You have some triggers that take you out of that mode. And I think any sportsman or businessmen even, um, if they can stop the rot but, in your mind, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a huge help mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then you can get on with things after adversity. Well, I've sort of got, a, I think, a view, I'm not sure how strong it is, but that the AFL clubs tend to be reluctant to go to the VFL to get new players and that there's, sort of, there's this obsession with kids uh, and players from other states. Do you think the VFL players that you've played against for the last five years, do you think there are a lot of, or some of them there that would acquit themselves well at AFL level? I definitely think so. Um, I think the tide's turning with that a bit. I think the industry is sort of changing their point of view with, I think 11 VFL boys were picked up in the coming draft. So 
Um, I think very similar to the horse racing industry, I see them as two different sales, if um, give or take. One's a yearling sale, which is with the young kids, and one's a proven horse sale. So mm. VFL, you sort of know what you're going to get. And um, the yearling sale, um, you can make calculated decisions, but at the end of the day, it's a bit more of a lottery. How recently were you trying to combine the racing interest and your footy? I know there was a story, your father told me about you doing track work at 4am and then training for football and then having to repeat that cycle with about five hours sleep. Yeah, I definitely um, juggled my two passions for a long time. Um, as soon as I finished school when I was 18, I went straight into working in the stables in the morning. So I was also doing that with full-time uni. So I was my routine for a while there, especially when I was younger, I'd wake up at 3.30 to be at work by 4. I'd work till about 9, 30, 10. Um, I'd, go to, I'd have breakfast, go to sleep, wake up at about 3 in the afternoon, have lunch and then go to footy training from about 4.30 till 9.30 and wow. get home and repeat. Yeah. What, what's your bedtime? <laughs> Generally about 8.30, 9 o'clock mm. and wake up at about 4. It's a tough regime, isn't it? Mm. When they're not winning, it's yeah. very tough. <laughs> Explain this. Lots of people say to me, why do uh, horses have to be uh, trained from 4am? Because there's racing every day and you have to work all the horses that aren't racing before yeah. you go racing. Your staff has to handle them. Um, the tracks need repairing during the day to prepare for the next morning. Uh, there's an old-fashioned thing where you'd hide the good ones in the dark, so we'll work yours <laughs> on Friday in the dark. Um, and in the old days, a lot of people had two jobs. And still now, some of the track riders have two jobs. So they get their work done with their horses, the riding, in the morning, then they go and do another job. Okay. When your footy season finishes this year, will you get then get involved with the stable or, or will you go on end-of-season trips and play up like most of them do? What's, what's your program? Um, I've actually never been travelling before properly. I've been, been once to America with my brother, but I'll probably go travelling for a few weeks, but I'll probably do three weeks tops because the end of the footy season correlates with the busiest time in racing coming into spring. So I'll probably might not hand, be as hands-on with the horses. I don't think I'm allowed to ride them now that I'm... No. Um, Definitely not. Yeah, contractually, <laughs> contractually, I don't think because I'm allowed to Because your contract with the Bulldogs says that. Yeah, well, it says you're not allowed to participate in dangerous activities that may yeah. cause injury. So horses being unpredictable as they are, yeah. um, they can whip and you can come off and snap a wrist or something pretty easily. So I think I'll be in the hut drinking coffees with Dad, sort of <laughs> trying to play trainer a little bit. Well, I did that last Friday. It was in the hut drinking coffees with your dad and your brother. And Ben tells me he's the best footballer in the family. <laughs> yeah, he's, he does suffer from delusion from time to time. So, but no, Ben was a good footballer himself, but um, he quickly retired himself like Dad to pursue uh, racing. Hey, Will, I love your story. I think it's an inspiration for so many kids who have got their dream and won't give up on it. So congratulations and all the best this year. And thanks, David and Prue, for sharing the story with us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much.